Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed podcast. And I'm unimpressed that Goldie dressed up today for the podcast. He, he came in, he's looking good. And uh, welcome, Jefferson Goldie. I'm glad you dressed up, buddy. Thanks, What's going on man. today? I'm always dressed up, man. Just becoming a big guy doesn't mean I know how to dress. I was actually voted best dressed in high school. Fun fact. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I saw some old pictures, man, about uh, you in a tux and you yeah. were a little bit bigger. What's man, uh, my heaviest, I was like 560 pounds. And that photo was taken at my brother's wedding and they had to make me like a special vest like it was i was embarrassed and for my first time in my life now i don't get embarrassed easily yeah but to show up at my brother's wedding that it had nothing to really do with me and i'm making him look like you know i had to do something about it man definitely had to. when you were that big how was your day i mean could you move could you get around could you move good i mean what was going on with that that's the thing john i was always a healthy big fat kid i don't know why anytime i go to the doctor he would tell me the same thing i'm the healthiest fat guy he's ever met so i really had no reason to lose weight besides fitting in a booth you know or just fitting on an airplane seat stuff like that which the normal person doesn't really think about. When you played baseball, you told me you played baseball. How big were you when you played ball? I was probably a little smaller than I am right now. So I was probably definitely in the 300s. But I've always been a big dude, man. Uh, but I can hit the ball like 400 feet. I just couldn't run to save my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just why that didn't work out. As a pitcher, I pitched a perfect game one night. Um, couldn't throw that fast, you know, 84, 85. It's like Greg Maddox, pink yeah. corners. And was baseball your your favorite sport? Yeah. My dad was actually drafted by the Cubs, Chicago Cubs. And I'm guessing that's where I got my genes from. You know, he was actually a musician as well. Quick story about that. He got my mom pregnant at 16 years old. And they invited him to the farm system to play for the Cubs to pitch. But he just got my mom pregnant and he decided not to go. So mm-hmm. anytime we are all together, Christmas dinners, Thanksgiving, we bring that up. I give him some hell about it. Like, you couldn't wait, Mom, what, six months for Dad to come back mm-hmm. from a farm? We would have been fine. Who knows? So today, I mean, you came came down from Chicago. We're in Charleston, South Carolina. And you were doing some content. You started working with us. And tell me a little bit about your past. And I know you did some stuff with the Food Network. Tell me a little bit about that. I got into content creation. I've always wanted to create. I've always been on a creative mind, whether it be, you know, playing baseball is pretty creative for me. I don't know. It's just like another art form. I can never work your normal nine to five job. Always had these huge dreams just growing up. And um, one day I won a contest to be a TV host in Chicago and that market's it's huge. It's a huge market. So they gave me my first opportunity on TV. I actually went to school for radio. So you just never know where you're going to end up in life. And then everything started to trickle from there. You know, I started making funny videos and Food Network happened. One of my guilty pleasures called Worst Cooks in America. <laughs> it's exactly what a show sounds like. Worst Cooks in America. And it's a legit show. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's interesting that they would make a show about bad cooks. Yeah, it's entertainment at the end of the day, right? Uh, it's, it's an entertainment show. They're, 
People ask me all the time, hey, can you really cook? Are you bad at cooking? I'm like, yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Terrible at it, but they also are looking for personalities because it's, at the end of the day, it's a TV show. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got some sort of acting background. Just because you're an actor doesn't mean you're a chef, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, was there a certain line of information on how they cast that show? So the casting process took about three months. Everything was done over the internet. You had to make a YouTube video creating your worst dish or something that I thought was actually cooked. I cooked lasagna hamburgers with fries and <laughs> the video's out there somewhere. And you see me making a lasagna from scratch and I put like craft single cheese on top of it. Cause they're like, why did you do that? And my thought process was like, well, cause it holds all the cheese together and the meat. So don't fall out. Like, yep. Be like you. You're, you're part of the show. So that's how that happened. And it was a what now? Do you know how lasagnas are yeah. kind of like shaped? But I made it into like a cheeseburger. So I had onions in there. I had uh, mustard, ketchup. So my version of lasagna was more of a cheeseburger lasagna. Cheeseburger lasagna. Yeah. Okay. Was it? It wasn't any good. It was disgusting. <laughs> and my wife had to try it on camera, and she was trying her sweetheart to not be mean to me. She's like, you know, it's it's cooked. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was bad. And you've done a few other things uh, in Chicago, and you grew up in Chicago, right? North side of Chicago, right across the street from Wrigley Field, and. uh I love it. I love the city. I grew up around Second City. It's a huge comedy scene in Chicago. Some of my favorite artists, um, Chris Farley, um, Tina Fey, Steve Carell, all graduated from the same school. And I, I told myself one day I'm going to go to that school, but I was just so heavily involved with music. Didn't happen earlier in my career. Do you remember Lonnie Smith? No, I don't. Um, did Reggie Sanders play for the Cubs for a little Reggie while? Reggie Sanders? No. Yeah, he didn't play for the no. Cubs. I was thinking there's two guys I played with back in the day. Oh, really? Uh, at uh, Spartanburg Methodist Junior College. Nice. And what did you play? I, I played center field. was 185, run a 6760. I, I used to be fast. <laughs> Not me, buddy. <laughs> but I worked out with Reggie. Me and Reggie were very similar. Oh. I used to work out with Reggie every day in fall ball. Nice, man. Yeah, I mean, he's a couple of years older than me. Lonnie Smith, did you Lonnie say? Lonnie Smith. Yes, now uh, yeah. name rings about Lonnie yes. went to Spartanburg Methodist. He was way older than me. He kind of paid the path for the Spartanburg Methodist ball players. I mean, they had Mookie Wilson prior, I mean, before him or whatever. Nice. Um, but there's a little bit of tradition right here in Spartanburg, South Carolina, with you know pro athletes because I think we were the number one junior college team in the country when I was there. 
And that's the thing, man. People look at me and you're like, yo, he can't be any good. You know, they see this big old body and I'm on a basketball court too. Do not leave me open because I'm shooting a three, but I can't play defense to save my life, but I'm good on offense. It's yeah. weird. You know, it was always like that for me. So how long have you been married? I've been married uh, going on six years this uh, year. But the thing is, she was my first girlfriend ever at the age of 13. We started dating, you know. And after we got into high school, we kind of went our separate ways, but we remained friends our whole lives. We would wish each other happy birthday whenever our birthdays come around. It was all about timing, man. Ten years later, we got back together and now we're married. You've had this drive of entertainment, yeah. you know, wanting to do entertainment, being a personality. What is your what's your passion? And I mean, what what's driving you to do this? I want people to know something about me, Laura. If you ever come to see me outside of anything doing videos, I'm the same person that I am on camera, off camera. And a lot of people always, when they notice that, it makes me feel good because I feel like I'm trying to just be authentic as I can. And at the end of the day, if I can make someone laugh or make someone's day or even inspire them to lose weight, even though I'm still a big dude, I don't know how many messages I get that I inspire people, which is crazy. So to get to your question, I just want to inspire and make people laugh. That's it. That's it. It's make it. people laugh. Yeah. And did you, living in the area you did in Chicago, did you go to a lot of shows in the area, comedy shows? and? Not really. That's the thing. I grew up about two or three blocks from the world-famous Second City, and I never stepped foot in there until maybe four years ago. And now, you know, I went to, I did the improv scene there. They, they gave me my own show at Second City because of the pandemic. Everything had to, you know, get scrapped. But we're, we're working back at it, man. And Doing improv is just, it's a whole nother level. It's great. I love it. So it's, that is like a, like a play setting, the improv. I mean, tell me a little bit about that structure of yeah. setting up a show. It's a little bit different than doing videos for social or, Absolutely. or doing content for television. Tell me a little bit about how you, how you prepare and what you do for improv. So for me, I always try to be a leader, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a follower, being a team leader. I'm always the one putting bands together, getting your, in my improv team together, you know, just building a community around me. So I put this improv team together and it's all about the ensemble, man. If you have good connection with other people, your show is going to flow. It's all about having each other's backs, too. If you fail, there's no failing in improv, right? That's what they say. It's just accidents. And you just got to pick yourself up, man. So it, it's great. The Chicago scene for comedy it's huge. People ask me all the time, hey, why don't you get into stand-up comedy? I don't think I'm I'm not passionate about that. So I don't know if I'll ever do that. Even though I do, I think I have some good stories to tell. So People throw these words around and they're kind of generalized. What is the difference between an improv actor yeah. and a comedian? Sure. Comedians usually have bullet points. Uh, they're storytellers. They're scripted sometimes where you're practicing your set and it's usually the same set. If you're on tour 30 dates, yeah, you're, you're mixing up some words here and there, but it's the same formula for improv. We go in there blinded. We have no plan. We ask for suggestions on stage. They'll throw some things at us and we're making a completely made up scene on the spot. So for example, my team were called in sync and we do nineties improv. So everything suggested is nineties related like, oh, what's your favorite spot to go uh, when you were in 1992? Blockbuster. So now we're doing a scene in Blockbuster, renting, you know, Titanic, and we're trying to make it funny on the spot. Just 
creatively. And when you're interacting with another improv actor, do you recognize when you fumble on words or how do y'all get past a mistake? So for me, that I love messing up on stage. And a lot of people will get scared of that or terrified, like, oh, no, I just messed up. For me, if I fumble a word, I'll look in the crowd and I'll break that fourth wall. Like, I didn't mean to say that word, you know, and, and I usually get a laugh out of that. You know, it's just mm-hmm. about handling the, the situation. But if you mess up, you know, that's again, we, I got your back. What he meant to say was, and we started. And you do that right there on stage. Right on the spot, man. And a lot of people go improv just to get better communication skills, if, you know, for your if you're working at a high stress job, just if you're public speaking, a lot of people take improv. I, I suggest everybody at least try it once, man. It's great. It's kind of a thought, thought then reaction type of deal. Yes. Right. Absolutely. You, like your a, a, a 3D reaction, if if you will, something like that. Would yeah. you consider it a 3D reaction? Even if there's no wrong answer. So if you say something to me and we're going in the scene and I'm going this way, you're going that way. It's fine. Like, yeah, we're not on the same page, but it's, it's all made up. So like, it doesn't matter. And you hear people talk about third and fourth wall. What is what is a third and fourth wall? The fourth. Well, I don't know what a third wall is. I guess that would be just me, me and you talking right now. Yeah. The fourth wall is people off the camera that no one can see. So if I'm sitting here with you right now and something comes up and then I look over to your editors and producers, I'm like, hey, did you hear that? That's breaking the fourth wall because you're not supposed to do that. Oh, OK. Yeah. Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Huh. Uh, interesting. So improv in Chicago, how many shows have you done? Uh, under my belt right now, I probably got a close about 30 shows. Yeah. And I've never done improv before. And I was like the team leader, I guess you could say. So I'm the one that's coming up right in the stage when the curtains open, getting the crowd pumped, explaining what the show is about to be about. And again, I've always just had that, like, I always want to be in front of the camera. I can see you like Pavarotti, you know, <laughs> with that little Italian side in you. Um, yeah, it's uh, very uh, operatic. Improv is somewhat operatic. It's very But theatrical. it's not singing, right? Yeah. I mean, there are games where you sing. Yeah. So, like, for example, me and my, you got you to gotta pick a good crew as well. Like, you trust. So it was me and two other girls. And one of the suggestions, I don't know. We will say it was salad. We're making up a song singing about salad right now. And I, I can't rhyme to save my life either. I'm the worst rapper, I'm a good musician, but I can't rap to save my life. I don't know how those guys do that. Well, and you don't make any money in improv, really? Nah, there's not a lot of money to be made. Um, I, it's all ticket sales. But the thing is, we did sell out every show we've done. So you make some, not a lot. You do this, you do that for the passion and fun and connections with the people, man. I've met some of my best friends at improv hundred percent. Cause everybody's like on the same wavelength thinking creatively. Like you want to be around those people, man. You want to surround yourself around positive people. Yeah. You'll be a lot happier at the end of the day. Are you going to continue doing improv? I am. Uh, once I get back home, I, we still have a show offered to us. It's just a lot of people are maybe a little more scared right now because we haven't been doing improv, but again, you don't, really lose that skill. So we'll be okay. We'll see what happens. The place you were doing improv has been shut down pretty much for the pandemic. Yes, sir. It just opened back up. I, I want to say this week, actually. Well, outside of that, uh, you had some more highlights. We talked about the, uh, the food network. What other things have you done uh, in this entertainment space? Best thing I've done recently was go to Japan. It was a 
a weight loss documentary show. So they actually flew me out here to South Carolina and I had to meet with the producers and directors, see if they liked me. And the very next two days later, they flew me out to Japan. And the whole premise was kind of like the real world. Okay. It was a real world for documentaries. So they bring me to Japan for Americans and they put us on an all Japanese diet cuisine. And they see if we can lose weight compared to American diets, which is obviously going to (laughs) happen. So I ended up losing about 60 pounds out there in uh, two months. And it was the Japanese people are just on another level, man. They're so structured out there. (laughs) It's crazy. And what what was the diet? It was mostly um, like seafood, a lot of fish, um, very little carbs. But you're eating. they, They fed us like four or five times a day. And the portions weren't small either. You would think, oh, there's little small portions. They got to figure it out over there, man. And it was delicious. I had fish pancakes for breakfast. You would think that's disgusting. Yeah. It was good. What kind of place did you stay in? I know the the hotel rooms and all that are kind of small. They rented out a house for us. So it was like the real world, literally. Like it was a, all of us sleeping in one roof, you know. I don't like sleeping with other people like that. So it was kind of hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we have these big other people that you hear snoring in the other rooms, you know, we're fat. What do you want? For? We, we snore fat people. <laughs> I'll say big people and be politically correct. Yeah, or how many I big people were in the room? There was uh, five of us. Five. Yeah. We each had our own rooms. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But I'll give you a quick story. What happened? And just why so when I say the Japanese people are on a whole different wavelength, I lost my wallet in Tokyo. OK, it was the first week I was there. I had four thousand dollars in my wallet and my passport. And I lost it first day I was there in Tokyo and the translator that we had with us there was like, oh, don't worry, Jefferson, we'll we'll find it. I'm like, oh, What are you talking about? My wallet's gone. I, I got to call my wife. You got to figure something out. She's like, no, we'll come back Monday. So this was happening on a Friday. We got to come back on Monday. I'm like, OK, so she takes us to this little uh, police station while it was there. And all my money was there. My passwords there, along with a letter that read, no need to reach out and say thank you. Just want to help out a foreigner. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you lose your wallet here or anything like that in America, I mean, it's gone. maybe they'll send it back with your credit cards. Maybe. But the money, that's gone. I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. And how long were you out there doing this show? Two, two and a half months. Two and a half months. Yeah. Wow. What'd you do during the day? They would take us to these exotic rainforests and then hills and mountains for another story. Did you know there's hotels and mountains? I didn't. And this mountain is the biggest one in Japan. And to get up there, originally how they explained it, because they don't speak that great of English. So there was a little bit of a you know barrier. She was like, we got to take a trolley this way. But she, you know, the one that would swing like a lift, like a ski lift. Yeah. So you're like. You mean to tell me you're going to take us up this huge mountain? I'm like, it's not happening. I'm like, get me off the show. I'm not going. I'm afraid of roller coasters. So that's number one. Uh-huh. But then it was a trolley. It just went up kind of slow. Like, oh, okay, I'll do that. But still, it was terrifying. 20,000 feet in the air. We're going like this. You can see behind us, like the little pe- Oh, man. It was really? terrifying. But up it was inside of a mountain. It was inside of a mountain. But at the end of the day, I'm so glad I did it. Best experience I've ever had. Really? Yeah. And this was in Tokyo? Uh, there's some other part of Japan. We went all around. We would, they would do that every other day. Um, we'll have some rest days. And then they would make us, you know, work out a little bit here and there. But other than that, and where, where did this 
Has this been released? Has it aired? They aired in Japan um, to about 40 million people. They said, apparently, I'm really famous in Japan. Didn't air in here, but I found a link and I downloaded it. It's in Japanese. Like They Uh they overdubbed my voice and everything. It's hilarious. Really? Yeah, it's out there somewhere. It's called Diet Japan, if you guys really are interested in trying to find that. So they wanted to find big people. Yeah. So they come to America to find the big people. Yeah, of course. That's interesting. Uh, thought process, yeah, if was, you will. There was one from me from Chicago, one was from LA, Georgia, and I think Florida. And what did they pay you for this? Um, they paid. It was pretty good. They paid me about ten grand to do it. Free place to stay and Free food. To stay, food, first class flights. I mean, Japan. It was on my bucket list anyway. Yeah, it was amazing. Would you go back to Japan? I would love to. I wanted to go back for twenty twenty the Olympics. I was talking to our translator out there, but then obviously you know. 2020 hit but i definitely want to go back to japan just as a vacation you know to have fun and the people are the nicest people in the world there man so nice and how many things this is something i know trying to be um trying to have a voice trying to be in front of the camera trying to express yourself how many how many things have you been to like castings or so forth that you've got no's everything i've ever done on tv or radio i've done without an agent okay Worst Cooks in America, my TV show, the Japan stuff, I'll, I never had an agent. You're so, you know, stereotyped, my, my size. I'm going to always be the funny, fat guy or the big friend that's fat in any movie, commercial, TV show. And you would think there's not a lot of us, but the competition for someone that looks like me is a lot harder, you know, just because there's just the roles are so limited. So... I went out recently for a commercial and I'm looking at the sides and I'm like, this is not me. I don't, this is not, hasn't, doesn't look like me. They're not at, so I'm not getting, I'm not, I've been told no a lot. Was mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. And but, the only reason I mean, the only reason I say that everybody gets told no. Absolutely. And I think if somebody's listening to this and someone who's trying to get into the business and yeah. you're probably going to get 80% no's before you get any yeses. Exactly. FYI. When people ask me that, I always say, don't wait. Just do it yourself. You know, always try to create your own content. Don't wait for the agency. You know, that, that's what I've been doing. It helps. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm getting more auditions for stuff that I didn't wasn't able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been told no. Oh, yeah. I've been shot down all, you know, hundreds of times. What's your everyday life in Chicago? I have a normal job. Uh-huh. Somewhat. I work overnights. I work from midnight till eight in the morning. At a high-rise downtown Chicago, very congested area, but I've been there for almost 20 years, man. And the reason being, I love being there because it's just me. I'm alone, and all my creative juices flows at like 2, 3 a.m., you know? So I I like it, and that's... And what do you do? It's concierge. Like, you know, someone needs help finding a a nice place to eat a steak or a a show. That's what I'm here for. So you're kind of like a tour guide, too, in Chicago. So you know where all the spots are? Where do you where do you send them to for the best Italian restaurant? Olive Garden. <laughs> Olive Garden. <laughs> I like sending them to uh, Jake Melnick's is a nice place. Uh, Giordano's for pizza. Lou Melnati's. Uh, man, Morton Steakhouse. Gibson's. Yeah, I know all the places. Giordano's, I think we ate there when we were in town. That's kind of a famous Chicago it's yeah. a place, right? A lot of people think that we're Chicago's more deep dish. Yeah. Not the real Chicago people. We, we like our pizza thin crust, man. Super thin, crunchy, well done. Yeah. With the oil dripping off. Yeah, man. 
Can no, you, actually, that's New York. Yeah, that's that's yeah, us. That's New, New York. That's what we we look for. When some of the old heads and the traditional people moved out of these neighborhoods, you kind of start losing that. You know. Oh yeah. You don't get that good that good pizza anymore like you used to back in the day. Do you do you still have? I mean, I know there's still a few spots, but. There's it's still it's not like it used to be. Same. No, absolutely not. There's still a few mom and pop shops that I'd rather go to than your normal chain pizza on any day. And I'm gonna I'm gonna send you something. I was you gonna, gonna send yeah, you something. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send you and Tyler something too. and Gordo. We already talked about it. And you got uh, what the the lake out there? Yeah, man, Lake Michigan. I drive by it every night. One uh-huh. of the best drives. No, if you're from Chicago and you're listening to this, you know there's no other drive than the Lakeshore Drive. It's uh, it's beautiful, breathtaking. What's up with the blue water? Why does the water seem like a bluish aqua tint? It does it. <laughs> you ever notice that? I, not really. I mean, in the, in the water. Yeah. In Lake Michigan. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe because all the buildings around it, like the reflection. It's the only thing I got. Yeah. I mean, it was a very weird like tint. Like, it was blue. Like I guess a, you're like right. an aqua tint. You know, it was different for a lake because we did we did a lot of shows there. We did some shows in Schaumburg. Schaumburg, yeah. Yeah, Schaumburg Improv and. Nice. We'd go around town and check everything out. Yeah, I always yeah. wonder why that had the aqua bluish tint. I wish to I it. had a better answer for you. I well, you're no supposed idea. to be the concierge. You know what I'm saying? I suck at my job. <laughs> <laughs> so what if somebody? How about if somebody comes in? They say, "Hey, Goldie, what is uh, what's a good uh, place to go see a show?" Obviously, there's been no shows with the pandemic, right? Yeah. Chicago I, shut down. I'm usually sending the second city. Second City. Yeah, that's there's comedy shows there, there's improv shows there, there's theaters, there's actual plays. So it's like, a, it's and it's a school. So like you learn to do comedy there. Some of my favorite people in the world have played the same stages that I've been on. And it just, man, it, it's awesome knowing that feeling. You know, Chris Farley, I'll, me and him hosted on the same show, same stage. You know? Really? It's great. Now, you you have a big Italian family? Yes, very big. Um Whenever there's like a funeral, birthdays, weddings, three, four hundred people. And, when, and it's weird. Like growing up, when someone would pass away, I would go, he's a little kid. I'm 13 years old, 12 years old, and all these people are partying. I'm like, this guy just died. Like, why are you guys partying? And now I understand why we mourn, you know, there, but we party for their life after. Uh-huh. So we usually rent out a huge, big banquet hall and, Go for days. What's the uh, the the meals and the food look like when the family gets together? Uh, a lot of carbs, John. A lot of carbs. A lot of Italian food. A lot of breads and cakes. It's not good, but it's good. <laughs> now they have the sauce, the good sauce, tomato sauce, yeah, and call it gravy. Yeah, right? the gravy. gravy. Yeah, <laughs> nice gravy. Yeah, man. Sunday Sunday dinners. That's a real thing in Italian households, man. I was the guy that grew up in North Carolina and show up to the the dinners, but. You know, my grandmother used to cook on that side of the family. She would cook. They'd have breakfast, yeah. right? And then between breakfast and lunch, they put out cookies with the coffee. Coffee, right? exactly. Cakes. Then you have the salami and cheese. You know, yeah. yeah, the salami and cheese sandwich for lunch. Okay, so you already know. Right? And then and then she'll put something else between after lunch to dinner. <laughs> right? You sound and like then, my yeah. grandma. Yeah. And then when you have dinner, it's pasta, I don't know, 85 different things for dinner. Absolutely. So you literally eat all, all day. day. All day long, John. Yeah. Yes. You you're know, right. You're not they, right. They eat all day. I mean, that culturally, where do you think that came from? 
Uh, that's a good question, man. But anytime I would go over my, you said my grandma's house, even if I just had eaten and my parents, we cannot leave until we eat more. And that's how we grew up, man. Like, it's weird. Like, I don't think people are like that these days anymore. Like, even like my grandma today, she doesn't cook as much and my parents. But back in the day, you're right, man. It was literally all around the clock. And people wouldn't just show up to your house and they have to eat. My friends have to eat. Can I just get you something? Can we get you a sandwich and a meatball? Like, uh, we're good. We just ate, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I ate uh, two hours ago or 30 minutes ago. And they're still trying to feed you. My grandfather, I don't know if this happened, he was Czech, right? And his brother married into, they were Czech, and they married into this big Italian family. The Remicios. And the Remicios were from Sarno, Sarno, Italy. Okay. And they were the only two Czechs, but they would, their tradition was a little different. He would start drinking beer at 9 a.m., you know, because the Czechs like to drink. Now, any Italians in your family start drinking early in the morning? Uh, my grandfather, he he uh, used to put them back, definitely. Yeah. But he was also an entertainer, too, man. He was a singer. He sang with Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, all those guys. Really? Yeah, he was an amazing singer. But then, you know, unfortunately, one day he had, he had throat cancer, and they had to put a little trachea in here. So he has this, when he really speaks, he would have to hold the thing is. And that sucked to see him like that because he was such an amazing singer. But the drinking it was it for him he was he was bad. He that's what drinker. that's what caused the yeah. the throat issue the yeah. drinking he drank that much that much i grew up in a house where you wake up with the smell of smoke and cigarettes it was the worst thing you know yeah. so I, I got this tattoo right here i don't know if you guys can see it no smoking sign no smoking anytime i'm around someone that smokes i'm going to start crying like instantly i get sick for days I don't smoke, you know, but uh, no more. Like I told my mom, if you ever want to see me come foot in this house again, because she always still wants me to come over. Like she treats me. I'm 13 years old. Yeah. <sighs> like, hey, Goldie. Yeah. yeah. Come yeah. on, baby. I miss you. Like, stop. I'm 38 years old, mom. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, stop smoking in the house and I'll come over more. And they, she still smokes in the house. She hasn't. No, no more. Which is good. Oh, so she did stop. She stopped. Yes. Well, you think that only happens. In, I think that only happens in Alabama. Yeah, because I kid, I kid my some of my comedians. I said, y'all, they all still smoke cigarettes, Marlboros down there, and I say, hey, y'all still think it's the 1980s? My parents are old school like that. They don't even have cell phones. Like the really old school people, they don't know what's going on in the world. You know, like that's just how they are. Well, that's good in a way. I can see that. No, I, I, you know, I envy them sometimes. Your mind is a little more settled. Yeah, you know, with your life. Because you're not, you don't, you don't have those extra vibrations of information that's, that's true. comes from social media and all that kind of thing. So in a way, that's really a a good thing. A lot of people have like this misconception of social media. It could be good, it could be bad. I'm here because Gordo Loco. We started talking over the internet years ago, and he, he you know, he got me involved in this. And this is one example of how the internet could be a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, social media brings people together. Do it for the right. Use it for the right things in the right way. Use it to your benefit. This is great. And you got more shows airing on television as well, right? The new season of Worst Cooks in America. It's it's an all-star reunion. So they're bringing back the best of the worst is what they're calling it. Yeah. So, yeah, they brought me back for another season. And how many episodes is that? Will we see you on? Uh, I can't say how many episodes I was on because it's still it's a reality show. It's a competition base. But I was on at least the first one. We need to have them put up your, if you talk, well, I don't think they like to pick sides with social media, but put up your tagline there. But yeah. hopefully, 
if people are watching the show, they'll search you down and start following you with this new content you're making for us. You know, I've always made content. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, I like, again, I like making people smile and making people laugh. But also, sometimes you get a little lazy, you know, around, like, especially in the pandemic. People either flourished and, like, started making these new things, like, new opportunities, or you just kind of got lazy. At first, I built my own studio for podcasting. You know, I was I was all pumped. Six months, seven months later, I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little bored here. I got to get out this house. I'm going nuts. This is really cool. We're happy. We're excited. I want to make this statement now. So in 10 years, we look back at this statement. I think this is the beginning of the new world of entertainment. Hollywood, to me, has not completely embraced the technology, you know, and they kind of still discredit some of the the pieces of technology in the marketplace. So I'm stating that right now that I think this is the beginning of the new world entertainment. And uh, I think people will need to hold on. They need to hold on and catch on because if they don't catch on, it's going to pass them by pretty quickly. And the reason I say that is I see my daughter, right? Mm-hmm. I think these young kids who want to see their own content, create their own content, right? I think by the time they're older, right, they're going to be self-sufficient, in their own little world and only view what they want to view. So they'll create these pockets of entertainment, right? And it won't be as much as uh, a universal thing because, because if you look at the transition of seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, it was these ISOs of here's these 10 great comedians. Here's these 10 great actors. Right. Mm. But nobody's paying attention to that anymore. You're pulling in what you want to view. True as an individual, right? And I think that's what people don't understand. And we're dealing with an ADD culture yeah, where it's everything's got to be quick, quick, quick. And with us, like entertainers and social media people, influencers, we bring people into our lives like every day. Like you see behind the scenes, like literally us. People love Brad Pitt, but we don't know what the hell he's doing like on a Tuesday. You know, yeah. no one knows. He, he's making movies, which is great. It's just difference between like, you know, celebrity actors and people that are content creators. Totally different, but the same idea, you know. Well, to me, talent is talent. I don't care what the medium is. You you show that talent. But I do think there's a paradigm shift on social that people are being recognized more that are on social media. Right. than they are being recognized in a television show that they spent three million dollars for. So if you spend three million dollars for a show that people don't see. And then you look at production costs that we're doing. What do you think is going to happen from a cost factor, from a business standpoint? What do you think is going to happen? It's 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 a paradigm shift. I think for me, too, like I'll, I'll follow, you know, a few celebrities here on there on Instagram and stuff. But again, they're not letting us into their daily lives too much for for me, for like a little kid. You know, they're they're seeing Logan Paul's every move and they see him and they see again, like Brad Pitt next to him. They're going up to Logan Paul. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jefferson, I appreciate you coming down. I appreciate you uh, coming in, doing some work this week and, and getting some content done. And let's we'll get it out there for you and just keep building, man, and see if we can we can do some good stuff, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a great week. You, Gordo, everybody taking care of me. Tyler, I appreciate you guys. And I'm really excited not to be part of this. Seriously. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate that. This is Jefferson Goldie. Check him out. Google Jefferson Goldie. Follow him on Facebook because that's our biggest platform. And uh, I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.